You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, DB, and that guy over there, Farmer Dave. Dave, how's it going? I am well. Nice, good to hear. It sounds like a I, lot I, of... I, I, I am hot, but fortunately I have cool well water. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a lot nicer than the studios you get to record from the farm. I am stuck here, and uh, the AC's not working, so it's sweltering in here. So we're gonna try and get out of here as fast as possible. If I pass out, if I have heat stroke, y'all know why. Okay, Dave, we've got good news. We've got awesome news. Good news. Yes, we do. Oblivion's uh. patio is open. Uh, and not just, you know, it's, it's, it's like you can go all the way into like by the pool tables and stuff and you can sit kind of indoors. So as long as you're sitting by the big windows that they open up, you're fine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you were, the the other good news. Yeah, this too. Yes. So for those of you who have been listening faithfully, Mm -hmm. Thanks, Fred. We really appreciate it. Yes. Um, the 288 disappearing minions are back. Yes. Everyone is back, including everyone's minion, Minion. So, Minion, yeah, well, he is back, or Jack Stark, as some of you know him as, or uh, that guy I don't like to play D&D with. Uh, Jack, you know I don't like you, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Your rules, lawyer. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna say too much about Jack. Jack's not a bad yeah, guy. Well, we're and glad you're back. Apparently, has been missing for about what two months now. Yeah, I was gonna say six weeks, but yeah, probably about two months. Okay, and when uh, I a whole bunch of us at the radio station, we went down to Sandy uh, to get some. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. I went down to Sandy to get some. Uh, find out, hey, get a quote. Find out what's going on before you know national news starts covering this and they can't talk about it because they signed an NDA but um you were going to talk about where they showed up right yeah so so Sandy had you know it's because it was outside and Oregon sort of loosening up it's it's a COVID restriction so they 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 had a, a memorial day uh parade Monday and then also there were horses and you know there were the kids and the you know everything you expect in a small Oregon town. Goat parade. Uh, you know Memorial Day parade. You know there were there were you know the veterans mm-hmm. you know coming by and VWA and you know and, and then all of a sudden it was really it just got chilly mm-hmm. and then there's like fog came in and you know, I'm thinking oh look fog machine cool dried ice but then all of a sudden it was kind of like kind of like that that scene in the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind you know when the people start coming out of the light yeah but they were coming out of the fog now this is rural Oregon you know Sandy likes to say it's a lot more mm-hmm. sophisticated but it was still rural Oregon so you know there were a bunch of people who went to get their rifles because they assumed there were zombies yeah but no as they were soon you know obviously moving too fast and, and too limber and talking that they were not zombies, but it was the return of a missing 288. Yeah, 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 no. And uh, once that was identified, uh, buses were arranged, uh, a snowplow that belongs to Chicago, 
and uh, we figured it out, and it's all done, and the mayor says, everyone, back to business, and uh, the 288, as they're being known, uh, get a 20% discount at A1 Grocers. Mention that you remember the 288, get 20% off your next groceries. That's almost or wholesale taxidermy. people. Or taxidermy. That's almost wholesale people. So, uh, And you know what else this means? What's that? And no offense. That means Lumberjack is back at Speedos and we can finally get a decent cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Here. No, no, no. Because uh, I don't know how to make a Snickers bar or I don't know how to make a white turtle dove or any of that stuff. I, I It's like – and the way that I make macchiatos, people are like, uh, no, it's a milk drink. And I'm like, no, it's a mark of milk in your – and anyway, I'm not going to get into co- arguments anymore with people. People in this town already don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Well, thank you, Dave. There's some people in this town that don't like me, but then again, I don't, you know, I, I get on the radio and I say, Jack Stark's an asshole. So, you know, hey, maybe I bring it on myself. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, so who do we got talking to this week? Who are we, uh, who are we squawking so with? We're talking and we're kind of, even though it's no longer May, we're kind of stretching out Star Wars. Oh, yeah. You know, May the 4th be with you. So we're talking to uh, Robert James. Ooh, cool. And he actually, he'll talk a little bit about it, but he's tied into science fiction. Mm-hmm. Is that He is sort of the Indiana Jones of Robert Heinlein. Ooh. And he discovered, in fact, he's the one that a while back... Uh, did a lot of research to discover the lost Heinlein novel. Yeah, that's cool. Also, uh, he does a, a series of books about uh, the Oscars, uh, and where you know he goes back to the history of the Oscars and tongue in cheek says, "Who should have won compared yeah. to who did win?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's he's got a, you know he's got his finger on both you know movie history and science fiction. I love so that kind of very, stuff. I love that kind of stuff. He's got a a, a very. Uh, strong sort of very very interesting view on uh science fiction and star wars in general sounds cool sounds cool uh just real quick before we get into that dave how 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 are the goats doing how how do the goats deal with this hot weather well so they like this fine shade and then they sit down and and then they chew their cud and then you know basically goats as far as goats are concerned Weather is farmer's fault. It's okay. raining. It's the farmer's fault. It's hot. The farmer's fault. There's mud. There's the farmer's fault. So, you know, they give us the stinky eye. But, you know, if they stop giving us the stinky eye, we think they're sick. <laughs> so you, we just got to keep on the water and make sure that they get enough water. Oh, nice. Good Good to hear. I, I always love hearing about goats. Goats are uh, nature's uh, goat. Anyway, so... Up next, we've got that interview, and after that, we're going to be talking about the hero's journey and Dungeons and Dragons. So it's going to be D and D on D and D and the hero's journey. All right, so here we go with that, and then we'll go with this, and then we'll be done with that, and then we'll go on to the next part, and we'll see you then. And Dave, do you have anything to say before we take off? Come back. I miss you. We're not leaving for good. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Once again, you are listening to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 on the AM dial in northern Clackamas County. 
And just a reminder, tomorrow night at 11, the Junior 4-H Club is going to be showing The Witch. It's going to be showing On the Barn at the Thompsons. And this is as a documentary on how not to treat your goats. Now, before we finish up the show today, we have a very special guest, and that is Robert James. Uh, And Robert, you've written about movies as well as uh, you have some science fiction uh, credits under your name too, correct? I do, I do. Uh, Maybe if you could tell the audience a little bit about you. Well, my name is Robert James. I'm a teacher. I've been teaching at a high school for about 30 years now. Although I've taught at UCLA and several other colleges over the years, I got my PhD from UCLA back in 1995. Go uh, Bruins! There we go. That's right. That, that's that's where I, I that's where I, I I'm a UCLA graduate myself. There you go. Excellent. Knew there was class on this program. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I've uh, been teaching all kinds of things, mostly uh, history and English. But uh, I've published uh, fairly extensively about science fiction. I've been in a number of world cons as guest speakers. Uh, the, the guy I worked with the most was Robert Heinlein, who uh, I helped research the biography by Bill Patterson. God rest his soul. He passed away a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we worked about 10 years on the research for that. And along the way, I did a, a number of discoveries. I found the long lost first novel, which was uh, surprisingly uh, published uh, not too long ago. Uh, I got to write the afterword for that. I also discovered the uh, last recording of his first Worldcon speech back in Denver, back in 40 or 41, and a number of other things. One of one of the uh, folks who is in the Heinlein community called me the Indiana Jones of the Heinlein Studies Department. So uh, I spent a few years doing that, and then when my friend Bill passed away, it was a little more painful to continue on that. So sure. I switched over to writing about the movies, and I've written a series of books called Who Won? and a reverent look at the Oscars, and the fourth, uh, four of the books have been published so far, and I'm almost done with the fifth. I had some health issues the last couple of years that have mm-hmm. uh, finally been overcome, so I'm, I'm back to work on not just the fifth book, but the sixth book. So those are available on Amazon.com. Who won and a reverent look at the Oscars, and there's four volumes currently available. Excellent, basically, excellent. Basically what I'm doing is I'm going back and remaking the Oscars as they should have been which movies and performances and and Oscars should have been given and which ones were unjustly overlooked and should have won instead and which ones should have never won. And I've had a lot of fun doing that. Well, no, that sounds just an area that is just ripe for for a a book here. And And satire. Excellent. And you also, also, uh, with sort of the science fiction and Hollywood slant, uh, perfect guess for our subject, which is Star Wars. Cue the music. Yes. Uh, well, we would, but Disney charges. <laughs> uh, yeah, exorbitantly, I'm sure. So, what are what are maybe some of your favorite or maybe earliest Star Wars memories? Well, I'm old enough to have been there the first week. In in late May 1977, I was in line. Uh, more than once to see Star Wars at my local theater. Uh, I didn't get to see it the first day because, honestly, we had no idea that anything like it was really coming. The, the, the advertisements hadn't been very extensive. But once, you know, one of my friends saw it, the buzz started spreading. And my friend in that first week, I think, got into line and saw it 12 times. 
It wow. was really the, I mean, we had gone to see Jaws more than once, but really Star Wars, and I would have been 14 at the time, Star Wars was the event of my generation. It was uh, getting in line, standing in line, uh, hearing from people that had already seen it and were going back to see it, not just the second time, but the, you know, the 10th or 11th or 12th time, uh, my friend John literally lived in the movie theater. Uh, and they started showing at the local movie theater. They started showing at 24 hours a day for a few days. Uh, and he literally just got up, left the theater, got back at the end of the line, and got back in as soon as he could. He just lived it for a week or more before his mother finally figured out where he was. <laughs> what? God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, she was not happy that he had just disappeared. Remember, this is in the days before cell phones. Yeah. Uh, so she just didn't know where he was, and he didn't care. But I remember watching the film as a young man and, and 14 years old and just thinking it was the greatest thing I had ever seen. And then, you know, I took my father, who we saw the movies quite a lot together. He was he loved the movies. And I was just so excited to take him to go see it. And he was at that point in his mid 40s. And I just was so excited to see it and loved it just as much this time around and came out of the theater. And what'd you think? What'd you think? And he looked at me and said, that was just a Western in space. And that's when I discovered movie criticism. Uh, it was such a disappointment. It's also when I discovered my father was not perfect. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, I understand what he meant. You know, you watch it as an adult, and th there are moments where you're like, you just the first one especially. I mean, Lucas himself has, has said it's not very good. But I don't care. The 14-year-old in me is still in love with it. And I think it's the greatest movie made for kids since The Wizard of Oz. But it's also one of those films you can keep watching as an adult and enjoying every bit as much you did when you were young. But it's also the moment, which I think my series to, you know, remake the Oscars, they should have been. I remember watching the Oscars that next year. And when Annie Hall won, I remember screaming in fury <laughs> at the, at the screen, how dare they? And honestly, I'm just about done with the book about the seventies and early eighties. And, and, I can see why Annie Hall won at the time. It really was an astonishing achievement for Woody Allen, who had not made a movie with any real depth to it up to that point. But uh, I'm sorry, the 14-year-old on my head is going to lightsaber anybody who dares say Star Wars is not the greatest film of the year. It, yeah. it was. It is. It remains a remarkably enduring film. I mean, I've shown my kids. I've shown my grandkids. Uh, everybody I've ever shown it to, other than my father, just loves it and, and it, the first film especially really was a remarkable experience that that does last and yes you can see the creaks and groans and the the corny dialogue here and there and then the occasional bad acting but it doesn't matter the fantasy still works the, the 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 creation of an alternate universe still works the characters still work and then to come along a few years later and see Empire Strikes Back, which had progressed enormously in its maturity and its craft, and not just the special effects, but the dialogue and the characters had gotten deeper. And, and I've often said Star Wars, the first one's the greatest movie ever made for kids, but Empire Strikes Back is the greatest Star Wars movie ever made for adults. adults yeah. It, it really is a remarkably mature film to come out of a, a movie that was intended for children predominantly. Yeah, my my first experience with Star Wars was, you know, I saw the commercial, and for you, I go, eh, I don't think I want to see that movie, and I didn't <laughs> realize why, and then it finally dawned on me because I saw that commercial on an eight inch black and white TV, mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it wasn't until, you know, I think, you know, I, I act, so, so yeah, no, no wonder on an eight inch black and white TV, the commercial wasn't that impressive. But sitting in that theater where there's no credits other than the Star Wars scroll at the beginning, and all of a sudden this enormous spacecraft fills the screen and you're in the middle of the story and John Williams music is, is plowing through your 14 year old head. It, it, it's a transformative experience. It's completely different. And, and I think it kind of, headed towards that but why do you think star wars is so enduring well lucas would say it's because it's the you know the the, the myth of the hero and the you know all the, that. the mono myth the mono myth right and i there certainly is something to that but when he tried to ring that again with willow it didn't work it, i think what it is is he got extraordinarily lucky with the casting all of those actors had substantial careers, some, some more than others. I mean, Harrison Ford is, by any definition, the greatest movie star uh, of, of the time, even today. I mean, the man's in his 80s. He's going to make another Indiana Jones movie, and I think he'll pull it off. He, he's then, definitely a list. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, if you know the Indiana Jones franchise, I'm looking forward to it because it's an odd-numbered film. The first and third ones were the greatest ones. The second and fourth ones were not. So the fifth one's got to ring the bell, right? Uh, yeah. But, and I'm hoping you bring some Nazis around to punch. That's the other thing that makes the first and third one great. Always punch Nazis. But Harrison Ford has enormous charm, and it only deepens into the second movie. Uh, Carrie Fisher, of course, had a substantial career and, and uh, as enormous charm, even if she's not allowed to wear a bra. Although that may be part of the charm. But the, the gold bikini in later films, yeah. obviously, you know, you hit a certain age, and that's but As, as um, well as a great career as a writer. Yes, yes, and, and a raconteur, somebody who could, if you've ever watched her roasting Harrison Ford or George Lucas, mm -hmm. it's just incredibly funny. And she basically spent her career as a story editor more than an actress. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and Mark Hamill, I think if he had not had the accident that he had um, and not made the unfortunate choice to make Corvette Summer, uh, Hamill's had an enormously influential career in, as a voice actor. And, and his Joker is the Joker. I mean, he, he puts Jack yeah. Nicholson. Shane, even even Heath Ledger, I don't think quite defeats his capacity to be that character. And Hamill's had a career as, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, especially uh, as a celebrity uh, talking yeah. about his experience. And, and, and he's, remote, you know, become a very funny, charming older gentleman. And, you know, none of these guys had any scandals in their career. They, they didn't make disastrously bad movies other than the Corvette Summer. Uh, they, they, uh, they, I, I'm, I'm going to debate one other one. There's one okay. movie that I, um, the night the lights went out in Georgia. I have not seen that one. It, it with Mark Hamill, uh, as yeah, that is one of the few movies my sister made me see it. Like when we were 14 <laughs> and, uh, it's one of the few movies that I, I mean, it, it had like a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old Jodie Foster, which was a plus. But, uh, yeah, that's one movie that uh, I ever... Hey, everyone. It's D&D &D on D&D. &D. Dave, that was a wow, cool. Wow, you you came back. I, I'm impressed. I know. I hey, that 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 was a great interview. I I, I like that part where you talked about the thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, no problem. No I, I enjoy talking about the thing. Well, uh, speaking of things, 
Uh, the hero's journey is a thing that we've talked about before. See, I'm working on these segues. I'm going to be a real podcaster one of these days, folks. I'm going to be a, a third-level podcaster sooner than later. Speaking of third level, it's D&D on D&D. Hero's Journey. Joseph Campbell. We've talked about the monomyth, and we're going to talk about, can you do the monomyth in D&D, Dave? Well, you know, if you think about it, even if you had never heard of the Hero's Journey yeah. or the Hero with a Thousand Faces sure. or a monomyth, 90% of D&D campaigns mm-hmm. fall in this category. It's these first level punk characters that, you know, hopefully rise up to, you know, high-level characters and their experiences. But I remember once, probably, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, you know and, and I don't think he really even knew the story mm-hmm. or the bottom myth, but the GM, he did it. He was, you know, he took the, you know, we were all sort of, we were the, like the teenagers of the town, mm-hmm. and, and the old man turned out to be the wizard, and then he ended up sending out on adventures and, and coming back, and, oh, wow, we got... We got some gold. Let's, so, you know, he really sort of followed that. So most stories are, but I really remember this story. And, and uh, you know, we may only played four or five games, but, you know, of all of the thousands of games I played, I really enjoyed this one. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I was, I was thinking about Dungeons & Dragons as, like, it's a collective thing that is it's it's not about one hero it's it's generally about a group of heroes and i mean you know every story is generally kind of about i mean every every story about you know what i'm trying to say the hero's journey doesn't generally involve a single person it generally involves a group of people harry potter had ron and hermione uh Let's see. Uh, Luke, Luke had, had Luke his had crew. Had I don't know why went Harry Potter yeah. first. We're talking Star Wars. Uh, Harley Quinn has the Suicide Squad, as you were talking, like Harley Quinn last week. And uh, Ripley had the uh, crew of the Nostromo, and then the crew of the next ship, and then the crew, and, 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 and then the prison colony. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the hero's journey absolutely can be an ensemble story. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, is is is. I mean, you can do a solo D and D campaign. I know I've done it a few times when it's like, well, there's only one person to play with, and well, just have them. Yeah, we can do this, and they'll just have NPCs that follow them, and that's that's. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit truer to the mono myth than having a. You know, it's like, all right, uh, the bard is now, uh, you know, I mean, like trying to figure out who the main character is in your party can kind of like split up a party if like your paladin thinks that he or she is like the main character and then like the rogue is the one who gets the cool, um, I don't know, uh, gets gets to hold the MacGuffin for the last chunk of the campaign and be the hero. You know, I mean, it's like people are going to be upset about that. And it's like, is that part of the hero's journey? Or is that just like one part where it's like, oh, now the paladin's becoming the anti-paladin. Or, I don't know. Well, you know, There's a ton you, of stuff you, you think, do. You think of D&D as being this overlapping sort of group adventure. Yeah. But in ways, it could be five or six individual adventures sure. happening at the same time. Yeah. So each character could, in their own way, be, you know, the hero of their story. And everybody else is sort of the supporting character. 
And then everyone else's story, they're the supporting character. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's always you've got always got sort of that, you know, the, the theater major who just is so overwhelming in this kind of the, the driving power of, of, of the, 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 you know, the the players group, if not the party. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a more common situation, it could be multiple stories. Sure. You know, and who's to say who's to say each character has to learn the same lesson? Definitely, definitely. Or have the same experience, even though they're doing it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, that mm -hmm. takes some time and effort and forethought and preparation with the game master or, you know, the DM. Mm -hmm. And you know what always happens when you work that out? What's that? <laughs> your, your main person quits. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got a new job. I can't play. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I have this whole storyline based on you guys. Yeah, no, no. And, and I feel like anytime you try and do something like the hero's journey, you run in, into the problem of, well, so-and-so can't play right now, or the group falls apart because of group dynamics, or just scheduling, or the millions of other reasons why a D&D &D group falls apart after a month or two. <laughs> yeah. Your coworkers and you shouldn't be hanging out outside of work. I mean, that kind of thing I've, I've ran across. I mean, just, just all kinds of stuff, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the hero's journey, not how hard it is to get a D&D &D group together at points of time. Um. Yeah, no, no, there's 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 a lot that one could do. And I, I guess one of the easiest ways to have your D&D &D game end up going with the hero's journey is to, I'm, I'm, this is something I recommend, and a lot of my friends uh, in high school uh, taught to me, which is openly swipe from um, intellectual properties. Steal from Star Wars. Steal from Apocalypse Now. Steal from classic literature. Uh, steal from classic movies. Like anything that has like kind of a point, you know, I was going to say point, a point B kind of like trek and then steal elements from it and then put in fantasy elements in it and then make it a D and D campaign. I don't know how many times I have redressed, uh, the heart of darkness, uh, apocalypse now and used it in shadow run. Yeah. You know, that's a great one. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe ones that are obscure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, I mean, there's a couple, there's a Russian series of books mm -hmm. where it's basically spy police where they're, they're, they're magic. And yeah. It's the dark side versus the light side. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of night watch or day watch. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I saw the original night watch a billion years ago on a, uh, bootleg, uh, bootleg cd that it had the data on it It wasn't even a d dvd it was like an mp3 of nightwatch a billion years ago <laughs> and then it yeah, came and, out and, or it got remade or something i can't remember and, and so you know uh, outside you know sort of my core group before you kind of watched it together uh -huh. but a lot of the people i was playing with that weren't um had never used it so i borrowed heavily off that one. Oh, cool and especially the books because even some people it seemed the movies hadn't read the, a lot of them hadn't read the books. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I I'm, and and something I I'm pretty sure I've I've mentioned here before is uh, I used to steal from Ducktales comic books or not Ducktales but the Scrooge McDuck comic books and then Ducktales yeah. the uh, cartoon uh, when I was a little bit older and 
Yeah, no, I mean those those stories, like pulp stories, uh, stuff like that. That you, stuff. You, you want to hear a true story about that? Go for it. So there was this this uh, boat that sunk like in the Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. and they wanted to raise it. And so the, the engineer was trying to figure out how to, to raise this boat. And then in a, a Donald Duck co- uh, comic book, they filled it full a boat full of ping pong balls, and it mm-hmm. floated. Yeah. And so he did that. So you know. That's... So not 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 only do game masters but engineers steal from from the McDucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely, highly recommend that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else we have to say about uh, the hero's journey in Dungeons and Dragons, Dave. Um, so I think the one thing though that that is kind of maybe missing from a lot of campaigns, I think would be cool, mm-hmm. is that the heroes become the. The characters become the heroes. Yeah. Let them design a campaign where they get to be known. People look up to them. Oh, the orc's coming. Well, the amazing adventure party will come and save us. Yeah. And I think that if you have that as a plan, I can almost guarantee everybody will get into it. And And they'll get to this point where, hey – they don't want to give up. Yeah, you know that they they, they, they they you know they want to keep that hero status. Oh yeah, yeah, and the hero status will also cause big bads from other places to go. Oh, I hear there's a hero around here. I uh, you know we were staying away because we weren't powerful enough, but now we've got X, Y, and Z, and we think we can take on this hero. We're the big bads from the south or the west or from outer space or whatever. Or because you are now the hero, you, and you get that hero-ness going on, you don't just have the one quest. You will be tasked with quests. Like, people didn't just go, oh, hey, Hercules, uh, why don't you just hang out there and just be a symbol of our city? I mean, no one says, hey, uh, Superman, just, just, just hang around Metropolis and be pretty. I mean, you have that hero status, and you have to keep that hero status. If Superman didn't catch an airplane, Superman wouldn't be Superman. He would be that alien that's in the Phantom Zone. (laughs) Your D&D party is sitting around the docks, and Jason pulls up with the Argos and says, Come on, guys, let's go in. We're going adventuring. (laughs) Get in, losers. We're going questing. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, no. The the one part that I was thinking that misses, uh, it, kind of like a lot of D&D adventures kind of miss the point on and is a little bit harder to do is the death and rebirth, uh, meeting the goddess, that kind of stuff, like really kind of specific Joseph Campbell-y type stuff, I feel like necessarily uh, doesn't translate well into D&D. And there's kind of stuff that feels like cutscene type stuff in movies now, but like joseph campbell language it's like it's this this and this but it's it's i mean you know in, in video games it would be the cutscene, and even in D D, it's like well you can't really tell your characters okay now you do this now you do this now you do this because then they're like i'm being railroaded and i don't know there's 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 certain things about like uh i don't know certain aspects of the monomyth that i don't think work well on graph paper but i don't know what do you think listeners well, some stuff you know like some stuff could be just modified like oh, sure. like the atonement with the father mm-hmm. it could be a, a a a wizard's mentor has disappeared oh definitely now you got to find him yeah you know some some i think come up very good saved from rescue from external you know mm-hmm. you're fighting this huge army of orcs and all of a sudden 
you know, that night that you took help, you know, got back on his horse, he comes back with the cavalry. Or okay. I guess you're right. So, so some yeah. of them, I think you got to maybe get a little creative. Sure. So it's not so blatant, like, you know, oh, they're going to come rescue me. <laughs> but, but you know, especially the beginning, yeah. you know, the, the call for adventure. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, once it gets started, hey, it's your game. Definitely. Go a different way. Do it. Do an exact opposite. You know, oh, you know, well, we're, we, your players are a little savvy. Oh, you know, the, 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 the woman is the temptress. No, no, the, 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 that's the all innocent. Everyone thinks that we're following this, that the woman character is going to be, uh, you know, the temptress. But no, it's that dwarf that's offering you the beer so you get too drunk. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you can also play with it if you're if you're uh, your character, if your players are getting too meta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, if 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 uh, the. Uh... The hero's journey, the monomyth is a little, uh, little too complex for you. There's always Dan Harmon's story wheel, which is pretty much show up, need something, uh, get something, lose something. Uh, there's a couple more steps, uh, return. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just eight steps as opposed to uh, the 12 to 17 that Joseph Campbell talks about. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for uh, helping everyone out here with the monomyth and helping me out with the monomyth this month and, you know, month and a week. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Next month we'll be talking about aliens. Dave, do you have a favorite movie in the Alien franchise? So we'll talk about this. And, yeah. You know, I, I love the first and second one, uh-huh. but I was a huge, huge fan of the Dark Horse comic, yeah, uh, uh, extended universe. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's something we're definitely going to talk about because I loved Alien versus Predator, the comic book from the early '90s, and was so disappointed that I didn't even see any of the movies. But we'll talk about that, even though we won't be talking about those movies. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I was I was going to make a joke that uh, the animated series was my favorite. Um, the one that they almost made but didn't. Yeah, but they, but they made the toys for it. <laughs> they, they made, made the, the toys. toys. They made the toys, yeah. And we'll probably talk about that as well. All right, thank you so much, everyone. Hey, Minions, welcome back. I know you're not Minions. 288, welcome back. And uh, remember, we will have uh, drink specials going at Oblivion's all week long is what it says on this card. Oblivion's, we've got the lottery machines back on, and the smoking section is open and also the non-smoking section on the patio is open. So you can hang out on the patio and have to breathe smoke. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 AM, KZOM. And uh, yeah, Lumberjack is back at Speedos. So get your coffee drinks there instead of me glaring at you because you want something with white chocolate in it. All right, thank you again. Dave, anything you have to say before I... uh... Hit the stop button. Be well. Yeah, be well. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, I also got a whole bunch of other people saying, I want to do what you're doing. What are you doing? So how would you feel if we put in a second one with some people, um, with writers, about the monomyth? Oh, cool, yeah. I think, uh, you're, you're, you, 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 uh, maybe 
would you rather do is I think the monomyth we can probably get a, a bunch of people interested in oh yeah or uh would you prefer if we just uh, we do lovecraft oh uh monomyth would be cool lovecraft would be cool anything with literature spookiness horror um cthulhu mythos is built of a lot of things so i think yeah no i i think we could uh do a lot of different stuff okay i'm gonna see if they'll let me submit two then okay cool cool oh I'm probably going to end up leaving this all in. All right, I'll talk to yeah, you later. I, I've, I've, I've got sort of a little on this end. Uh-huh. It's not really static. It almost sounds kind of like the waves in the background. Oh, weird. But, right. but I could – I pretty much knew what you were talking about. <laughs> no problem. <laughs>